0: Welcome, everyone, to Davos Fingers, episode 30, A Wolf Howls, A Lady Sings. I'm Scaddy, we have with us Brooke and Matt, as always.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: And we'll be bringing you five chapters of A Clash of Kings today, just like every episode. Uh, we've got today Sansa 6 and 7, double dose of Sansa, Tyrion 14, Danny 5, and Arya 10. Uh, that's chapters 60 to 64, according to a wiki of Ice and Fire. And a quick reminder, we are spoiler-free for those reading along at our pace uh, that is, of course, until the end of our podcast for a special segment that we call Davos After Dark. And uh, at that point, we'll proceed to spoil uh, whatever we choose, so be careful. Uh, but we will warn you, we got a musical jingle that uh, Matt concocted that uh, we'll play that'll let you know that you need to hightail it out of there if you're not interested in being spoiled, so pay attention. Also, if you want to contact us, we always, uh, we always beg for contacts. Dude, it's been crazy the last couple weeks just getting emails all the time uh getting facebook posts and twitters all the time it's been great it's uh it's been a lot of fun so uh honestly we love we love interacting uh in that regard with other fans of george's work so uh hit us up if you want to reach out uh, davosfingers.com is our tumblr site uh email at we are at gmail.com twitter at davosfingers or you can uh find us on, on facebook and uh interact with us there uh, also, I, I should mention, we are on iTunes. Uh, we don't usually say it or anything like that, but I, I assume everyone knows. You can find us on iTunes, too, and listen there if you want. Okay, a uh, couple couple bullet points of, of news for the podcast. Uh, we only have one standard episode remaining before we put a cock away. So, yeah, that's oh. right. I <laughs> Just devouring the whole thing. It's been a long session, guys. Most people don't last this long.
2: No. Or uh, achieve the depth we have achieved.
0: Yes. All the, all the way to the base. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, we, you, you may remember if you've been with us from the start, uh, we did... Actually, last time we did a couple of special episodes uh, for uh, when we finished up Game of Thrones. We're going to do one special episode this time. Uh, it'll be a, a little bit like the last one. We are going to do trivia. I think I think people got a kick out of that, and uh, we got our competitive sides going, and we loved it. So we're going to do some trivia. So if you want to keep up with the fingers, make sure you're uh, boning up on all your knowledge. Uh, make sure you're paying attention to what Tyrion's wearing to bed and what uh, how Maester Crescent goes up the stairs and all sorts of things, because we're gonna we're gonna go deep on some of those trivia questions also for this episode we want we want a good portion of it to be driven by you guys so we want you to send in your questions topics uh things you'd like us to explore they can be uh they can be full spoiler uh or they can be just stuff that's that's up to date on, on what we've read um and just kind of write out the questions shoot it in and we'll uh we'll review them and hopefully we'll have a flood of them and have to have to whittle them down but uh you know send them in, and we'll uh we'll do our best to filter through and pick the best ones and and go for it so uh um, so it'll be
2: kind of two sections right it'll be the uh quiz mm-hmm. trivia and then a q
0: and a after that yeah, and the q and a might even be divided into a spoilery and non spoilery section. We haven't decided that yet, but um uh it probably depends a little bit on the types of questions we get i get the impression most of you guys are listening to Davos after dark to be honest but uh i think we got a few out there maybe that aren't but uh, i think people like the spoilery stuff but then, anyway we'll see what questions come in and we'll we'll kind of figure it out from there so uh you can you can send those in same ways you can contact us via twitter at DavosFingers fingers if you can fit that damn question in to f- 140 fucking characters. Do it. If you can't, you can hit us up on email at weirdofficefingers at gmail uh, or on Facebook. Also, uh, you can reach out to us there. So uh, yeah, we'll look forward to hearing from you. You can send them in any time. Oh gosh, we didn't talk about when we'd cut off uh, responses or questions. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll we'll let you know in the next episode maybe. Yeah, we'll. Or,
2: yeah, we can be letting know on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. And True. Be saying hey. Yep. This is the cutoff date.
0: Yep. Uh, okay, uh, next point in the news. So the, the Fingers have been flexing themselves uh, for 60-some-odd some odd weeks by the time we finish Clash of Kings, and frankly, we need a little bit of a break. So completely scheduled break, not indefinite by any means. We have a schedule for exactly when we're coming back. Uh, it'll be in November, so look for those episodes then, but, but there will be a, a quick break for us after we finish Clash of Kings, and uh, just take a little bit of time off to to recharge a little bit, and uh, then we'll be back with a vengeance and our normal attitude and uh, general lack of stamina. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, okay, lastly, uh, awesome news. We've been kind of teasing about uh, Matt's musical jingles making an appearance uh, for people to download, uh, and that's coming. Matt's still still been working on it. And uh, that'll be available sometime during our little hiatus, I believe. So look for that. Uh, you guys, you're going to love it. I think it's going to be awesome. So I think that's all we got. Matt, you want to add anything about uh, about those those tracks coming out? Uh, Yeah. So just that we're adding in a couple other little funsies. I think we announced that
2: last time, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, because if not, the, the album would be over in like two and a half minutes. But uh, so hopefully it'll be worth your time. And so we will release that during the break sometime to... To have something uh, for you during that off time for us, the off season, as we'll call it.
0: So, I have a theory, Matt, that the best tracks of an album on average is track number four. It's usually my. Not usually, but more frequently than any other track, that's my favorite track on an album. So, I'll be Mm. listening for which one you put track number four. Hint, it better be Aria. (laughs) Horseface.
2: Underfoot. Uh, usually the radio single which is often not the best song on an album is track number three
0: Interesting.
2: So, or number seven three or seven are common
0: uh, single track listings
1: hmm.
0: alright Uh, so I think that's it uh, Burke do you have anything to add
1: no great job
0: <laughs> thank you thank you
2: indeed right. well yeah. done Scatty our fearless host
1: yeah uh, real I'm, good real like, good buddy
0: I'm afraid of everything. Our <laughs> <laughs> uh, <right>. <laughs> not thanks as for, not as for much as you.
1: Care of business,
0: <laughs> business It's a nasty piece of business. All right. Uh, okay, biz-ness. we got Sansa six coming at you from Brooke. You ready? Sure am.
2: Don't know when a prince will come, but surely he's a gonna come for Sansa Stark. He'll be looking like a Tully, and a daddy killed a wavy Sansa Stark.
1: <laughs> Alright, so things are still rough in King's Landing, but fortunately for the women and old men of noble birth, Cersei is still entertaining everyone while Stannis' siege rages on. And by entertaining, I mean Cersei is getting drunk and mocking everyone in the room, with Sansa as a disappointingly unresponsive and naive audience. (laughs) It's really just like a chapter of gossip. It's fantastic. So between scrumptious-sounding courses and Sweet Arbor Reds, Circe has the Kettleblacks, Osmond and Osry, three There's a third one. Osmond, yeah.
2: I know Osmond.
1: Os, Os-
0: yeah. Osfried
2: and you know what? Fuck those
0: guys. I think about those guys yeah. just just like the uh, the little minion monarch henchman from uh, the Venture Brothers, like. They're utterly, they're utterly replaceable between them, amongst themselves, <laughs> interchangeable. Yeah. They're likable if you get to know one, but who really wants to? They're they're I'll call just them the henchmen. Old,
1: the O Kettlebacks, and I, I yeah. keep on in my head. I say Kettleback because I don't know if it sounds better, like like a chip or something. But it's Kettleblack, mm-hmm. like yes, like, oh, low low born Uh Just side notes: how you said they're they're sort of like vague and, and without substance and replaceable. Sansa does observe that they're they're pretty well liked around the castle mm-hmm. and like kind of jovial and casual and can joke around. I can I can just imagine these guys. They're like they're like bros.
2: Oh totally. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. <laughs> they're, like, they're like bros. <laughs>
1: so yeah, they, they get along every with everyone surface level, but then Sansa wonders, where did they come from before they became like sworn knights of the Kingsguard a little odd their meteoric rise anyways uh decent decent enough guys at first glance and uh yeah so Cersei has them running back and forth reporting the movements of the siege to her while they're relaxing in her uh in her uh her solar ballroom thing but when she learns that the mud gate is under attack and that Stannis' fleet are trying to ram the King's Gate, she orders Joffrey brought back into the Red Keep, away from the fighting. Not without first making fun of Tyrion for leading a sortie instead of praising him for it, or like admiring his bravery. It was great. And yeah, that's pretty much it. This is a super short chapter. Um, But before we end off, uh, Sansa's point of view of this part of the battle, which sounds equally as stressful... As being in the battle, since there's not much that these women can do, just sitting around waiting for news, uh, except that there's more singing and baked goat cheese, which is nice. Uh, before we we leave off, Cersei does admit to Sansa why Sir Ilan Payne is waiting with everyone and not out fighting with Tyrion's forces, and it's not to protect Cersei if the siege breaks through the castle, as she had told uh sansa a couple of sansa point of view chapters ago it's actually he's actually there to behead cersei before she can be captured by stannis and not just cersei but every potential captive of value to including sansa with that chilling thought of of potential beheading that is where the chapter actually ends so it's Grim. rim and yeah. uh Drunk Circe is my favorite Circe. Oh, man. I don't usually hold tuck with rape jokes. I think they're disgusting. But Circe makes one that is totally within context and also hilarious. When Sansa asks what will happen to all of the women if the (laughs) the seizures actually break through, Circe is like, well, they're all in for a bit of rape, I'd say. (laughs) Which is true. And also just... Fantastic delivery, well done, Cersei. A bit of rape. Yeah. Yeah. Also, drunk Cersei, (laughs) when discussing women's weapons, which include tears and that thing between your legs, admits that. (laughs) Yeah, her vagina dentata.
0: It's more weapon for some than others.
1: Uh, Yeah. Well, Cersei admits that hers is useless against the likes of Stannis. That she'd have better luck seducing his horse. Yes. Otherwise, she'd be she'd be out there doing her part. <laughs> 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 but on a on a on a less cutting note, she does also like sleepy, drunky admit to Sansa that when ugh, Cersei and Jamie were children, they looked so much alike that they would often switch clothes and pretend to be one another so she was so used to looking at her brother and seeing herself reflected in him that when they started being treated differently when Jamie was treated like a potential knight and a and a young warrior and she was treated like a broodmare it just angered her and she's been letting this anger and frustration and bitterness build up within her you know through three children and being sold off to a king and yeah just just very interesting it kind of it kind of made me not sympathize with her relationship with jamie which is still not very healthy and super Mm. incestuous but it does help to justify why they're they are so close because they are basically the same person i mean in their very formative childhood years they were one person so it's not completely surprising that they are in love
0: yeah they also grew up with no mother for most of the time and having to deal with fucking tywin all the time you know you, yeah. you would cling to each other at that point
1: yeah. Who, yeah
0: if he couldn't tell the difference between his boy and girl kids was <laughs>
2: yeah. i mean that could just From be am a father uh, of, that uh, has twins
0: they,
2: <laughs> right matt that they looked a lot alike but it could also just be that uh,
1: he was a little bit inattentive yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> and you know that Cersei would have been sly about it. She'd been like, "Hi, Father. Like my new tunic." <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> and Ty was like, "Yes, yes,
0: yes." Notice anything different about me today, Father?
1: <laughs> totally.
0: It's my shoes.
2: Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even look up. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So scary business. Um, what do you guys think of Cersei, who? I guess, contradicting Tyrion's orders and having Joffrey brought back into the keep. Good, bad, Uh, uncalled for, ridiculous. Her being a mother, her being a manipulator.
2: Was this the chapter where she knocks around Lancel? Or is that the next one? No, that's the next one. I get confused. Okay. (laughs) But she does call Joffrey back in this chapter.
0: Well, she, she, she calls him, I think, away from the wall and says, protect him. She doesn't bring him back. To to the holdfast yet, I don't think. Does she?
1: I thought she did. Uh, Yeah, she
0: did. They they deal with they deal with. We're not spoiling too bad. This is gonna happen in the Sansa chapter next, but uh, exactly. Yeah, they deal with all the fallout from that call maybe in the next chapter. But maybe she makes Mm -hmm. the call in this chapter. That's right.
2: That's it. Yes. Um,
0: You know, it's.
2: I mean, Joffrey really shouldn't be out there probably. I mean, is he qualified to be out? Probably not. But I agree with the soldiers who say that soldiers need to see their king.
1: Right. As a figurehead. As an right. inspiration to the troops. Yeah. If he's out there representing, then that gives them courage to fight harder. I agree with that generally. He's,
2: he's throwing people with a catapult. He's, mm-hmm.
1: you know. Antler men.
2: He's he's entertained for a while. Just let him tire <laughs> himself out
0: so he'll sleep well that night. Get some energy out. I agree with that, generally. But don't don't most of them kind of not dislike Joffrey? They'd rather not have him around. Yeah, but I think they dislike him more if he wasn't there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably. Like Silver Spoon kid doesn't even show up to his own battle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. They're fighting for the guy sitting on his mommy's lap right yeah. now. Yeah and 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 you know to joff's credit take note i'm never going to give him any credit other than this one time you know he wa- <laughs> he wants to be out there he wants to be making a difference he sure. wants to be involved in the battle and he you know he does want to be there leading people he'd be doing more well, he if they wants let to him fling his antler men true but i think he i think he wants to do more if they would let him but i don't think he'd go I, riding out or anything yeah maybe I think I think it's, I think it's no, I mean, your your question really, Brooke, is, you know, is it, was she out of line to, to do it or wrong to do it? Well, I think it's, it's again, look at me, I'm going to defend Cersei and Joffrey in the same chapter. I, I love this, <laughs> I love this chapter for Cersei because it almost feels like she's letting her hair down a little bit. Like, fuck it, things can't get much worse, I'm going to get drunk, and I'm going to tell it like it is. And who cares? But but in the end, what you or actually, I guess really in the beginning of this chapter, you see Cersei's a mother. She's worried about her son. Par for the course. I mean, yes. every most of what she does in these books, you know, like, we hate her a lot. But most of what she's doing, she really is trying to do for the betterment of her kids. And, you know, we should remember that she's a mother, and that, that is her primary goal a lot of the time. Yeah, I... um. I, I agree with you, and, and I'm sorry for bringing the show
2: in, but uh, whenever they interview the lady who plays Sarah, Dina Headey, come queen. on, Matt. Thank you. I don't know actors' names. You know that. You know. I mine. know Philip Seymour Hoffman and Scott Thompson. That's that's <laughs> right. <It's laughs> the only time yeah. we'll ever be named in the same <laughs> sentence. <laughs> My favorites. Um, whenever she's talking about, you know, how do you? deal with playing a character like Cersei she just thinks that um Cersei's a mother and that's how she always gets into characters she's just a mother who really loves her children and uh and she does you know some really? of her decisions maybe aren't the best but I I think she loves her kids Brookie
1: I think that Joffrey's livelihood is directly tied to her own like she's not going to be in power unless she has a kid on the throne and oh, so sure. she's So everything she does is really self-serving. And I don't think she really likes Joffrey all that much. It's maybe some maternal instinct, but mostly it's just to secure her situation.
0: Well, there there are billions. No, come on, Scott. Let's get serious. (laughs) There are thousands of examples of uh, parents that don't like their kids but still love them. And would do anything for them still, and I think that, I still think this—that's the case for her. And it is—I I agree with you a little bit, Brooke, on the fact that their fates are somewhat intrinsically linked. So it's hard to tell when she's doing something for them or when she's doing it for herself. You know, and and we don't we don't get her uh, we don't we don't get the benefit of her brain. You know, so we don't know necessarily. But you know, I, yeah, I do. I think she's I think she's in it for her kids and herself. She's, so she's it, selfish is people.
2: Cersei? Is Cersei like one of those athlete parents the one that's like oh like living vicariously pounding now? their kids into the ground to, to get them to the nfl or or some professional sports league yeah so they and they live say they're, they're doing it yeah they're doing it for them you know they're setting mm-hmm. them up for life and living a good fulfilling life and make a lot of money and stuff but in the end yeah there's that vicarious living and yeah and i don't even the, the parent yeah. of a famous athlete
1: i totally know what you're saying and that that sort of like drive but i don't even think that she's trying to like live vicariously i think she just has so much to prove to so many people
2: yes like I her father
1: that. and yes. and and manipulating her kids is a good way to do that
0: mm. is it okay, more than so you mentioned her father agree. is it more than that
1: oh yeah until like every man she's every had to man? like sure. <laughs> seduce okay so everyone with a penis with, with yeah. jamie yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah all right yeah well, i must prove yeah. that every man well, with a penis even... that i am their equal
1: yeah, it's it's
0: so not Varus, but every other man. Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's it's kinda sad that, that we learned a couple of chapters ago that Jamie's always been faithful to Cersei, but we know for a fact that Cersei is like, Jamie's not here for a month <laughs> yeah, <laughs> getting yeah, desperate. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> they're they're my cousin. They're yeah. dissimilar in that way.
1: Yep. <laughs> so yeah. I think she is a lot more selfish and yeah just more selfish than he is and that's good evidence of that
0: i agree with that she's also kind of like for somebody that's like playing with so much power she's also kind of comically out of it like she she admits that she knows that sans is going to the godswood but has no idea that she's meeting dantos there And they're, like, planning something. She's like, I know you're going to the God's Wood. And I know you're praying there like anyone else would.
1: She kind of reminds me of, like, really good-looking people. (laughs) Who I know this is a cliche, but we all know that. Like Matt? (laughs) Okay, I was was sucking up to him. But yeah, Matt's good-looking.
2: With my double chins.
1: (laughs) But, uh... And again, it's a cliche, but we all know these people who are just like so good looking and so privileged, <laughs> but they they just walk around sort of like
0: getting stuff
1: blinded blinded by their own um, power uh, entitlement. Yeah. But and and that's fine, I guess. Everyone's gotta live somehow and if you're <laughs> blessed with extreme good looks, then take advantage of that. What the exactly. bitterness is dripping off of you. <laughs> this is what bugs me about it. <laughs> when people are so good looking, they don't they don't think that they have to have a sense of humor. <laughs> Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, this is the worst that I like go out for drinks with like work colleagues or something i'm sitting beside like a really pretty girl and i'm trying to make conversation and she's just so boring and it's it's so painful well she's not even stupid she's just like used to everybody else fawning over her guys flirting with her or something and i'm like let's have a conversation about something interesting and usually it ends up being about clothes or purses or something. Anyways, Let's you know what? I'm really generalizing here. Kardashians. Something more interesting. <sighs> yeah, reality TV. And yeah, it does sound a little like old haggy and bitter. So I'm going to stop and just bring this back to my original point, which is that <laughs> She's beautiful. She is really beautiful, and with that comes sort of like <laughs> she's just walking above the clouds, and so she's blinded to a lot of reality, which is what I think you were trying to say. Well, yeah, but in this
2: case... She's got nothing but motivation and drive and and stuff like that. She just doesn't have a lot to Mm. back it
0: up. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Well, in this case with the Godswood, she would have had to have somebody tail Sansa to the Godswood, then tell them, no, 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 stop when she gets there. Don't spy on her when she's in there. Like... What? it's it's comical that she would i i don't know how how she could be that out of the loop when she knows she's going there all the time
1: it's that weird. or maybe she's getting whispered this information from varies and yeah. varies is purposely leaving out the Danto's part.
0: part yeah but 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 this leads to the whole praying and the godswood thing uh while comical gets re- reaches new levels of hilarity to me because. The whole thing you, you said about Ilan's here to behead everyone, including you, right? She says all of that stuff so that in the very last paragraph she can say, so you better start praying for the other side, young lady.
1: Oh yeah, that was a good lead up. <laughs> it's like, that's what you're getting at?
0: Uh, yeah.
1: Sober Cersei Probably totally uninteresting. Yeah. Drunk Cersei
0: Amazing. A blast. Yeah.
1: Amazing
0: i have to say though the the prayer bit uh seriously telling anyone telling anyone else how to pray or who to pray to or what for uh but in this case seriously to sansa reminded me of the hamlet my words fly up my thoughts remain below words without thoughts never to heaven go
1: my words fly up my thoughts remain below Words without
0: thoughts never to heaven go. It's one of my favorite uh, favorite bits of Shakespeare for you guys.
1: What a, words without I thoughts. Don't, I don't get it. What does it mean?
0: Like my it. words fly up, my thoughts remain below. So it's praying for something you don't right. want. So in this case Sansa... Empty prayers. Yeah, empty prayers. Throwing her words up because Cersei's telling her to, to the heavens, but she not, doesn't mean them. Uh, words without thoughts never to heaven go. So they're just... They're, they're not going to be answered. Yeah, that's uh, Claudius uh, while Hamlet is listening in. It's good, good little scene. Uh, Trying right. find a soundbite of that. Should, I'm sure there are many. Okay, are we ready to move on? Ooh, Pippin's soundbite.
2: It's so quiet.
1: It's the deep breath before the plunge. I don't want to be in a battle. <sighs> But waiting on the edge of one, I can't escape, is
0: even worse. Yeah, that ah, with those
2: ladies. I need Scad to do the accent because I can't do it. Oh, I
0: can't. I can't do Billy's Billy Boyd. I uh, don't want to be in a I ba- I can't. No, I'm not even gonna start. Keep uh, going. Nope. <laughs> I don't want to Carry be on. in the battle, but being on the edge of one, uh, I don't even. Remember I can't the escape. Now. I'm gonna feed you life. <laughs>
1: that was good. You got real Irish though. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Irish. My, uh, yeah. My Scottish is (laughs) (laughs) alright. That is good. Thank you. All right, Tyrion. All right.
2: Cripples and bastards and broken things, but the power of the mind can give you wings. Drinking and japing and yeah, ladies. Tyrion, Lannister, Rorim, if you please. So remember where we left Tyrion? He was riding out the King's Gate, wondering who would follow him into battle along King Landing's riverfront. Well, turns out he's all good there. He's followed by a horde of defenders and immediately flanked by his squire, Podrick, and Kingsguard member, Mandon Moore. And uh, he's leading his men east along the river to overrun the Baratheon forces, attempting to break through uh, with a battering ram through the Kingsgate. And overrun them they do, Tyrion leading the charge with his axe and wreaking death and violence. Indeed, one's almost surprised by Tyrion's battlefield proficiency. He's hacking, whacking, decapitating all in his path. And of course, you know, having a member of the King's Guard at your side and being astride a warhorse uh, doesn't hurt. But leading his ragged bunch of defenders further east along the riverbank, Tyrion notices that armored knights and men-at-arms have somehow made it from the south bank of the river, where Stannis and the ground troops were entrenched, over to the north bank and were joining in the fighting. Then he realizes all those ships that had crashed into his chain trying to escape the wildfire, well, they were all so closely packed together up against this chain that they'd actually formed a bridge that spanned from one bank of the Blackwater to the other. And Baratheon troops were slowly and ponderously kind of making their way across it to join the battle. So Tyrion, who's now feeling the numbing battle fever that Jamie always mentioned, but that Tyrion never expected to experience on his own, takes Mandon Moore and another Kingsguard member, the gossipy but apparently awesome fighter Balin Swan, to stem the tide of approaching soldiers. And in fact, it's here that Tyrion utters one of my favorite lines in all of A Song of Ice and Fire. He says, those are brave men. Let's go kill them. So good. And I love that line. Gives Basically me John
1: McClane. Yes.
2: With a yippee-ki-yay motherfucker McClane on. This moment. Yep. He, that's kind of what he did. Swinging his axe over his head and everything. Uh, and this they do. Tyrion's even thrown from his horse as it attempts to jump from a quay and into the water. And Tyrion lands on the deck of one of the ships, no longer on his horse, but continuing to fight in his own half-man way. Chopping at legs, uh, flipping people over the sides of the boat, stuff like that. So as they continue to fight aboard the rapidly deteriorating ships, uh, stones from King's Landing's catapults as well as people begin to land around him. And uh, one lands on the ship he's on such that the ship kind of flips on its side and begins to sink. And Tyrion's barely holding on and it's not looking good for him. And me, of course, I picture Lando Calrissian about to fall into the Sarlacc pit (laughs) with the blind hand solo doing all he can to rescue him. It's getting <coughs> better. It's getting Tyrion. better. <laughs> I can see a lot better now. My eyes are getting better. Instead
0: of a big dark mirror, I see a big light there.
2: Tyrion's hand solo, in this case, turns out to be Ser Mandon Moore, that member of the Kingsguard who rode out with him at the beginning of his sortie. And it's almost too late when Tyrion realizes that Mandon is reaching down to rescue him with his left hand. So something, call it instinct or intuition, makes Tyrion lean back just a bit as Mandan's right hand swings his sword at Tyrion's face. Tyrion feels the cutting pain as the sword does indeed find the skin, uh, but it's not fatal, obviously. So falling into the water, he manages to clamber up onto another deck, and he's Completely wasted and out of energy as Mandan again approaches, ready to make the final kill. But then all of a sudden, Mandan lists to one side and is kind of thrown screaming into the water from behind. So uh, crisis averted, Tyrion looks up, about to pass out, expecting his savior to be his brother Jamie. That's the first person that comes to mind. Who else would rescue Tyrion. But instead, he sees the visage of a young boy whose voice sounded almost like his squire, Podrick.
1: And that's where the chapter ends.
2: So, uh, Tyrion escapes one there.
1: Well, Pod, weird. possibly to the rescue.
2: Right? <laughs> Super weird. Totally out of left field when uh, Mandan Moore swings his sword at him. I know I was as surprised as ever.
0: Especially given Mandan's recent behavior. I, I guess he's, uh... He's a better actor under those dead eyes that they keep describing than people would think. Because he's been very, very much supporting Tyrion. At the gates when the Hound was refusing to go out, he's saying, Hey, the Hand is telling you and giving you an order. Yeah, very, you very, do your job, buddy. Very supportive, very engaged in the charge. Yeah, he seems, seems like he's all in. Very, mm-hmm. very surprising.
2: Um, if this is a spoiler, we'll edit it, but I, I, it's said at one point about Mandon Moore. That he's, he's his only friend, something about his only friend is his sword and his only love is his duty or something like that. So he is, you know, traditionally one of these rule followers, these guys that's probably perfectly suited to the Kingsguard, as he'll just do what he's told. That's what makes this going for Tyrion a little puzzling. Yeah. What did you think of uh, Tyrion's prowess on the battlefield? Awesome.
1: What does he call it? Battle lust?
0: Battle fever. Uh, battle battle fever. Battle, oh, I've okay. I've felt that What's in soccer belt? before. Totally, <laughs> oh. I realize oh, really? totally not life and death. I don't mean to minimize the accomplishments of soldiers. But but
1: <laughs> scads like breaking in the middle backs. No,
0: no more more the, the, the part about when he's talking about time seems like it's slowing down, almost like you're toying sure, with yeah. them. That like they don't stand a chance. You're just like, you're moving so slowly right now. And this coming from a, I was always a slow player, even when I was in shape, but uh, you just kind of like the ball slows, like everything just kind of slows down for you and you know that you have the ability to accomplish something. It, it, it's it's only like seconds long, right? When it happens to you, uh, at least when it happened to me playing soccer, but uh, similar, similar thing, just kind of time seems to slow down and everything's easier for you. It's very weird. Mm. Yeah, you can be like hurt and you
2: don't even notice. Yeah, it. That's yep. happened to me a couple of times in hockey. I'll get hit right in the skate with a puck or something, and you don't feel it till you go and sit down on the bench, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, oh. Yeah, and you you can't walk the next day or anything, but uh, in that moment you can't even feel that kind
0: of stuff. Yeah, I played a whole half of like a a pulled hamstring once because like I was so hopped up. They taped me up, but other than that. Battle fever. It's a real thing.
2: Any any sports injuries for you?
1: You're you're you're. I'm a a skier in the winter. Skier, that's right. I've been so high that I haven't noticed that my toes are frozen. It's kind of the same thing. It's kind of the same thing. (laughs) You uh you you still? (laughs) I've been so drunk golfing that my swing has gotten better. (laughs) <laughs> Been there. Yeah. I've never experienced sport euphoria, but it sounds great. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah.
2: Hey, I put I put two and two together. The last Davos chapter that we read says that a few ships got through um, the wildfire stuff and uh, we're able to land troops at the Kingsgate. So those troops that Tyrion is fighting, I put two and two together, and one of the ships that made it was the Ragged oh. Jenna. I just want to point that out. Ragged oh. Jenna made it to the other side. How do you, know,
0: how do you know that? It says. Oh, it does I can read. Oh, you can read. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Damn it! Good catch. You got me. <laughs> so, I had a rough morning getting into work this morning, and my coworker asked how I was doing, and I wanted to say, "Oh, Ragged Jenna." I was like, "I'm not even going to open that can of worms." <laughs> I was like, "Fine." <laughs>
2: He's like, what's Ragged Jenna? <laughs>
1: that would have been like a band, <sighs> a really sweet band. Don't worry about it. <laughs>
2: He's like googling it. What's A S O I A F? What does that stand for? <laughs> Asoif. <laughs> um, but again, we talked about this last episode. But just more props to Tyrion. You know, he he never considers himself a warrior. In fact, he always considers himself kind of the opposite of a warrior but i would say he meets at least for me the perfect definition of everything a warrior should be just someone who sees something that needs to be done and he goes and does it and it's not so much about physical characteristics or yeah. you know how many battles you fought in or whatever that makes you a warrior it's more of an attitude right a mindset of just getting out there and getting the job done and you know he could have turned back after they dealt with the immediate problem at the king's gate right they they knocked over the battering ram and that's their whole point was to protect the king's gate so they could have you know done their duty there and then rode back in but instead tyrion's like nope, we're going to go uh help everyone else and they continued on and continued to fight and before you know it tyrion's on this breaking up bridge of ships <laughs> hacking away at people's legs so proud of the guy yeah, yeah it's really
1: impressive if he'd been of typical <clears throat> stature would he have found this I don't know battle bug point. before or yeah. or is are the the barriers that he's had to struggle with in life made him this warrior he is today?
2: Yeah, like forced him to dig really deep.
1: Yeah, real deep.
2: I would say the latter. I think yeah, very cool. I think he's he's top warrior out there in my mind.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Him oh. and Balin Swan with his mace that has pieces of brain on it. <laughs> that was awesome.
0: A moment of silence for his horse, though. Oh yeah,
2: and how cool of him to think of the horse, yeah. right? Yeah, he's like sinking, and he has the presence of mind to still put his dying horse out of its misery. Yep. Go,
0: Tyrion. Yeah, that, th- this whole scene was just kind of—it got your blood going, you know. It definitely did. I, 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 I on this cast, I think it, multiple times I've done the adventure excitement to Jedi craves, not these things uh, <laughs> from Mallrats or you know the Star Wars movies. Um, but reading that. I think it started with Mallrats. Yeah, probably. I think that's where the quote's originally from. <laughs> but reading that charge when they're charging the people with the their, that have the gate uh, or that have the ram at the gate, I wanted to try it. I'm like, that sounds awesome. Riding people down on a horse. Like, yeah, it got me going a little bit. You're turning into Brooks, Scad. I know!
1: Scad, have you ever played paintball before?
0: Yeah. Do you guys want this story?
1: Yes, now I do. <laughs> yeah.
0: I've played more than just this once, but the first time I played paintball, I was like 14 or something. And, you know, they go through like the whole training thing at the beginning uh, where they're like, do not take off your fucking mask. Do not. Don't take it off until you leave the playing area. Well, you know, I'm listening or whatever. I'm like, yeah, idiot, who would do that? So I get into the first game of the day. This is like... This is, this is back when paintball was uh, mostly not indoor warehouses, but out in the frickin' forest somewhere, right? So we had traveled a long way to get there. And uh, the game is called, it's over, or whatever, they blow the whistle, and I take my mask off. Game over, right? No. No, because you have to leave the field. <laughs> so I got kicked out after the first game uh, of paintball, the first time I tried it, and had to just sit around while my friends played for the rest of the day. I don't think I killed a single person. Wow. Oh, I'm a little let down. I was expecting to hear you get shot
2: in the face (laughs) when you took your mask. You would be that
1: first guy in the sortie to die spectacularly and be described and like your brains would be on a maze. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You were Balon's first victim. So you're saying I shouldn't get on the horse and try to ride down the ram is what you're saying? (laughs) Maybe stay behind the gate. All right. Point taken. I think you'd do well. Just leave your
2: helmet on.
1: (laughs) Rule breaker. Put your mask back on.
2: That's an order, Marine.
0: Independence Day. Put your
2: mask back on. That's an order,
0: Marine. Yeah, maybe that story was underwhelming after my sigh. I apologize.
2: (laughs) Okay, I'll tell my paintball story too then. Yes. I've got this this friend of mine. He's got four older sisters. And um, the last of the four... So the the oldest three were already married, and then the youngest was dating a guy. And they uh, decided to play a joke on this kid one day when they were all out paintballing. And they said, um, you know, they talked to him like, what are your intentions with her and everything? And he's like, I really like her. I think this might work, you know. I think this could go the distance. And they knew that. They knew that they'd been dating a long time. And this was a a for sure thing. So they're like, well, to get in our family, you have to – you have to pass a little test, and like, And he's like, "What?" And he's like, "You got to let all of us shoot you in the in the nuts."
0: <laughs> Who would fall for this? this?
2: It's a paintball. And uh, no, it wasn't the nuts; it was the stomach. It was just straight in the stomach. You got to take off your shirt. Nothing between you and the paint. And uh, we just get to we just get to blow you away. And the kid said, "Okay." And oh. they were so shocked, and they said they like all looked at each other for a second. And they're like, all right. And so they did it.
1: <laughs> oh, so... they still did it to them? Yeah. <laughs> they were like, you're worthy. <laughs> they're like, take off. All right, let's do it. <laughs> That's great. So they did it. They all shot
2: it. That was so them painful. Mm-hmm. And they did it like pretty point blank, too, like within five or six feet.
1: Yeah, I've had friendly fire in the back of my thigh. Oh, man. Oh. Mm, oh,
2: take you out That hurts Okay Davos finger paintball that, sh- that could be fun We'll have to go do that
0: sometime yeah. <laughs> You mean this fantasy land Where we're all in the same city at some point <laughs> <laughs> Someday I hold out hope that one of a, that all three of us oh, Will one day Matt. Be together when Dream
1: leaves. on dreamer <laughs> Dream on Dream on mm-hmm. Dream until your dreams
2: come true Dream on
0: Uh, all right, are we done? Are we done with Tyrion? Mm. We spent a lot of time on two fairly short chapters. <laughs> so. uh, moving on to Sansa, you guys ready? Yippers. Yep.
2: Don't know when a prince will come, but surely he's a gonna come for Sansa Stark. he be looking
0: like a and a daddy killed a wavy Sansa
2: Stark.
0: Sir Lancel arrives to whisper in Cersei's ear that the battle is lost. He actually blames Circe for that fact. The city would have held, he thinks, but when they saw Joff leave the field, they lost heart, threw down their spears, and fled. But just as Sansa's about to break out the party poppers in Champagne, one of the Kettleblacks, as we mentioned, who cares which one, they're all kind of the same, nobody really tries to keep them apart that I know of. Anyway, Rando Kettle Black indicates that there is now also fighting on the other side of the river, and they aren't sure what is going on. It's kind of chaotic. They can't tell. Circe orders that they close up Mager's Holdfast immediately. It'll be their final holdout against the enemy. She demands that Joffre be brought in, and Lancel loses it again, thinking that everyone will desert yet again. Didn't we just learn this lesson? But no, of course, Lancel's pleas fall on deaf ears. Circe... storms out of the room, and much like Joff's departure, causes the whole room to crumble at her departure. Uh, To crumble, that is, if not for a spunky little stark girl named Sansa. She gathers herself, reassures everyone that all is not lost, and that the fighting continues, the queen will return, and then she commands the fools to entertain them. She then sees Lancel, who's been grievously hurt in the battle, and gets him to a maester, and talks to Dantos, who tells her that she should return to her chambers to await her fate. When she reaches her room, she opens her drapes to a jade holocaust, the greens mixing beautifully with the reds and oranges of the other fires against the heavens, all seven of those heavens. Her thoughts drift to sleep, and her wolf lady, before her constant stalker shows up once more. Sansa shipper's re- Sansan shippers rejoice, your creepy moment has come. Uh, Sander is shock drunk, uh, and goes on a drunken conversation with Sansa, which essentially amounts to, I could kill you, pretty bird. You repeat what you hear, little bird. But I've lost everything, little bird. And I, I want to kill Tyrion, little bird. But no, 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 I'm leaving this city, little bird.
1: That's accurate.
0: I mean, it's reasonably close. (laughs) Um, so he's fleeing the city. That's what you really get out of it. And so you start to wonder, why did he come here at all? Well, he came for the song that Sansa promised him long ago. So he pulls her close, demands she look at him, then indicates that he could keep her safe. No small thing, given that she feels her death is imminent when the city falls. He pulls her even closer, and Sansa prepares to be kissed. But it never comes. Instead, he throws her on the bed, pushes his knife, that's his knife, to her throat, and tells her to sing for her life. So she does. A song to soothe the savage beast, a song to the mother, pleading that she teach us all a kinder way. The blade is removed from her throat, and Sansa tenderly lays her hand on his blood-soaked cheek. Little bird, he says. Then promptly rips off his Kingsguard cloak, tosses it to the floor, and skedaddles. Sansa cuddles up onto the cloak in her chilly room and again awaits her fate. It isn't long before Dantus brings it, along with his wine breath. Sansa is safe, Stannis is crushed, and the city is no longer in peril. What? Where did this come from? So apparently <laughs> Lannister and Tyrell forces have joined and taken Stannis in the rear. Not sexually, just militarily. Tywin, Mace, and Sam's dear old dad, Randy, feature prominently in the battle, but it is Renly himself, he of the shadow baby murder, that leads the main host and seals the victory. As my three-year-old son would say,
1: what?
0: And the chapter ends.
1: But what? Crazy. Why, daddy? (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah, after five chapters of war, it's just over like that. And we get the ending from Dantos, of all people. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah drunk Dantos yeah who yeah, has who, the flabby arms yeah, the flabby arms uh, to I mean, be honest
1: it was oh sorry go ahead
0: no no go ahead I was gonna move to something different so yeah go
1: so was I maybe the same thing
0: oh my god <laughs> someone talk <laughs> was that your Archer impression Whoa. which I recently so started watching salty. and hilarious you did yeah I, I caught a couple yes. episodes the other night and it's Fucking hilarious.
2: Oh, no v- Virtual
0: high five.
1: We did it. Yes. Uh, oh,
2: Scad, you're in for a wonderful ride.
1: I am so envious of you right now because yeah. you have like six incredible seasons to watch. Yeah.
2: Every episode is just money. It's oh, so money. I'm reasonably excited, guys. Lana. Lana.
1: Lana! Lana! What? <laughs> Danger zone. Uh, Anyways. <laughs> uh Shall I talk? Yes. Yes. To be honest, the outcome of the battle wasn't as shocking to me as the whole Sansa-Hound interaction there. Mm. Oh, it was just such a good, I don't know, um, Sansa keeping it together and not totally freaking out, but also... The how not getting completely inappropriate, and it was just—it yeah. came Wait, off as really what? romantic. No,
0: no. I, I didn't feel it was romantic. Mm,
1: Look, not at all. Actually.
2: I'm just
0: saying, if any guy behaved this way to a girl, he'd be in fucking prison. This is creepy. He shows I, up, I hides in the this. shadows, mm. bloody everywhere, demands she sing to him, puts a knife to her throat. This is not romantic. This is this is what abused people think is romantic. If Sansa's abused, maybe she thinks this is romantic. And she has been kind of abused. So maybe she does. But this is awful.
1: Yeah, it is. It is awful. But at the same time, exactly what I want to read. So it works out super well. Yes! And I've said this before. All of the Hound's actions, if he wasn't this bitter, twisted, disfigured non-knight, everything that he's done so far would have been like, like a story for the ages. They Putting would have a knife up to her throat. About Santa and the Hound.
0: Putting a knife to her throat. cupping, yeah, he
1: cupping really her mouth and
0: saying, saying "I'll kill you if you scream." Have... I... These are not yeah, okay I've... actions. I've got
2: a point to make about along these lines too, but I'll do it when I want to hear what. Like well... you said you were going to read something. Oh, she is. Is yeah. that what you said? Oh, I thought you said this is exactly what I was going to read. No,
1: it's exactly what I want to read. And maybe that is messed up. Oh, I see. Because, yeah, if this happened in real life, I'd be like, you should report that abuser. Yeah. And get the police involved, etc., etc. And, and hey, having him arrested. But in this book, I'm like,
0: yes, oh, I know. It's so and, sweet. And Brooke, you're not alone. I'm probably going to get lamba- lambasted way worse than you for attacking this storyline. People, pe- a lot of people feel this way about this storyline. And I, I tried to take a step back. And so you guys know I watched The Walking Dead. So we watched The Walking Dead with uh, another couple uh, friends of ours. And uh, the, the girl uh, of the couple, uh, her name is Mary... And she's always lamenting that there isn't more romance. She's like, "This is the end of days. These people would be fucking all the time." And so she's she's <laughs> she's looking for romance everywhere in hot. The Walking Dead. Yeah, she's looking for romance everywhere in The Walking Dead. And I think I think these books are so devoid of good romance that people are dying for it. They'll take whatever they can we'll get,
2: <laughs> you
0: know. Yeah, that's true. I was
2: actually expecting, kind of to Scad's point, I was expecting it to get a lot worse. I I thought, you know, when she, she was expecting a kiss and then he threw her on the bed, I was like, oh, she's in for, as Cersei said, a bit of rape.
0: Yeah, I was, I, I was legit
2: worried. But um, so as I was trying to, like, figure out Sandor, like, why did he even go to Sansa in the first place? Like, why of all the places he could have gone, did he choose to go find Sansa? And I think mm-hmm. maybe what it is, is it's kind of like when my kids have a bad dream. <laughs> yes, I'm comparing Sandor to one of my kids. Wow. And they, when they have a bad dream, up. they wake up and they come to me. Uh, probably because my side of the bed is closest to the door. And then I end up in bed with two bodies beside me. And then I end up getting up and going out and sleeping on the couch where I can actually move. But anyways... <laughs> They come to my wife and I for comfort, and I kind of think that's what Sandor's doing with Sansa. I think he's going to her because that's kind of that what, that comforting thought for him. She's kind of like that comforting figure, the one who's shown him, you know, just any small inkling of compassion ever has been Sansa. And so when he's in this traumatic experience with the fire, when we now reveal, you know, Tyrion has that thought during his POV, oh yeah, no wonder Sandor ran away the wildfire. When he's after he's encountered this traumatic experience, his first thought is to go to someone who can comfort him, mm-hmm. and the only person he can think of is Sansa. Unfortunately, (laughs) Sandor has no idea how to act the part of being comforted. You know, my perfectly behaved children are like,
1: "Daddy, can I lay with you for a
2: minute? Can I have a drink of water?" And they sit and cuddle with me, and it's kind of sweet for a little bit until it gets annoying. But um, they're like kicking. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Sandor's like, has no idea how to handle that. So he's like, knife to the throat, sing me a song. I'm so sad right now. Sing to me. And really, he's he's just asking to be comforted, I think. And uh,
1: Yeah, no, that's, completely that's what agree. I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good, good observation.
0: I think that's a good read. Although I would add, he didn't go to Sansa first. He went to wine first. <laughs> and it's not helping him. No, it's not.
1: There might also my, my be my kids protect- definitely
0: don't get drunk
2: before they come to lay with me. At least they Are you I sure? Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's
1: probably also a protective angle too. Like, mm-hmm. what is, He'd... you know, while well, the the rest of the city is looting and trying They're... to escape. Yeah. He wants to protect the thing most precious to him. Yeah, yeah I think that's, that's. I
0: could keep you safe. I think that's the most honest part of that whole interchange. Actually, mm-hmm. is he? Uh, and by honest, I mean. Uh, to 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 what he wants i'm not trying to say he's in love with her i think maybe the the feelings are pretty complicated Uh, a lot of it is this compassion Matt, that you're talking about that that she's the only one that that treats him like a human instead of an animal but i i think i think he does long for some sustained interaction with her and the only way his brain can turn it into a believable scenario is where he's her protector and mm-hmm. and so to mm. me that was a very honest part of that exchange where even through the the wine haze he can he can concoct this vision that I think he's been harboring in his head for a long time about I can be your protector. I can take care of you. And therefore I can keep you with me. It's kind of this presence in my life that yeah.
2: I sure. actually kind of enjoy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No yeah, whether the feelings are I think you're mm-hmm. right there pretty complicated for him
0: so i lost so i, I lost was- it and yelled at brooke and I, i'm sorry i didn't mean to yell at you um <laughs> that's it wasn't i my think ind- you did <laughs> okay good but because i i his behavior his behavior is unacceptable right. i'm not saying his motivations are I, I i feel for him i i you know i, I pity him in a lot of ways and, and so i get what he's doing he's just to your point matt he doesn't know how to do it and as a result, his actions are unacceptable. And it kind of doesn't matter what your reasons are for doing something if the actions are unacceptable.
1: No, he does kind of 180 towards the end there when she puts her hand on his face, which could be perceived as a welcoming gesture. Yep. He does not go for it. Yep. Like mm-hmm. he, he whether he be motivated by self-loathing or some, <laughs> his morals boiled to the top of his wine haze or something. Yeah, something. He did yeah. leave then. But yeah. uh Yeah, it could have been much worse. And you know what? I I think I know why I like it so much and why so many other people, despite knowing how unhealthy this is, like it so much. It's very Shakespearean tragic romance. Mm -hmm. Like compared to like Romeo and Juliet, two basically preteens literally committing suicide for each other. It's awful. It's horribly unhealthy. So many people are hurt in the process, but we're like, Yes. This that is, is true love. <laughs> it's just uh it's just enjoyable. It's a different story. It's not your old run of the mill everything ends up happily ever after romance.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was a little surprised this read-through of this chapter. It seemed like in previous read-throughs, at least I'd convinced myself that Sander had made more of an effort to get her to come with him, um, but he really didn't, did he? He kind of just said, I could keep you safe, and then he leaves it at that, almost like if, yeah, again, to Brooke's point, whether it's self-loathing or uh, if he just doesn't quite know how to ask, um, he doesn't push too hard to get her to come with him. Yeah. And she doesn't, and and therefore she never actually really refuses him, yep.
0: uh, technically. To Brooke's but, point, yeah. When when she put her fa- her hand on his cheek, that would have been the time to say, "Come with me." Come with me. Yeah. 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 And and he didn't, for whatever reason, like Brooke's saying, I, for whatever reason, he you know, yeah, his morals got the better of him, or he realized what life he'd be taking her to, or who knows, uh, you know, who knows. But yeah, he didn't press it when when he had the opportunity. Complex character. Love him.
2: Yeah, this is a super interesting, engaging interaction. Really liked it.
0: Yeah, we spent the whole time talking also, about that. We didn't talk about the battle or the stuff with Lancel or Cersei, any of it. Do we want to hit any Cersei wound-slapping Cersei, or <laughs> yeah. Cersei
2: wound-slapping Lancel. That was kind of funny just to imagine. Yeah. How about the stupid uh, I did people? I like Sansa. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I liked Sansa uh, kind of seeing a parallel to what Tyrion did. Tyrion saw a problem and he stepped up and and went for it and uh Sansa kind of did that too after Cersei ditched. Yeah. Um Sansa kind of stood up and took control of the room and calmed everyone down and uh I liked that about her.
0: Loved it. Uh carry in, on with what you were going to say. Impact the world. Impact the world. You got to you got to step up and 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 be a part of the world, right? And mm-hmm. you know, influence it, not just be influenced by it. And that's Oh, part... really? That sounds like a lot. <laughs> well it's it's uh it's it's part of an email i depends sent to on your our, world <laughs> depends on your world part of an email i sent to one of the people that emailed us uh, venom sting uh about about why i love sansa which i thought i'd just go into for just a second uh why i really love sansa is because of her evolving nature of of from what i take as a, a woman that or a girl uh that wants and almost expects this life to just kind of be delivered to her and given to her and presented to her and she evolves from that girl slowly methodically and and very very measured by george i think into someone who realizes that she must exert her will on the world and make a difference for herself and for others and that's i I talked in the last chapter somewhat frustratingly probably to some of our listeners about no i really do love her i I do (laughs) I, i i do love sansa and, and that's why. Her, her growth towards this person that, that really has an influence and an important will and say in the world. Um, and you can see it here. I love it. She just steps right in and fills that void. Yeah, this reread has been kind to Sansa. <laughs> well said, Skin. Thank you. Uh, Alright, anything else from this chapter? I'm good. Okay. Danny. Silver hair and purple eyes always
2: on the go. Kicking it with the dragon kids and Jorah the end. She knows just where she gotta go and won't be tarrying Look out, Westeros, Rose Here comes nearest Targaryen Good luck moving up, cause I'm
0: moving out
2: So maybe Danny's attitude isn't quite that defiant, but same idea So having spurned Zaro's latest and final tearful plea for marriage Danny ventures to ask him for a ship so she can leave Karth. When Zaro offers ten ships in exchange for one of her dragons, it awakes the fire in Danny, who counters saying she would indeed trade one of her dragons if Zaro could give her one third of all the ships in the world. Boom! Taking the hint, Zaro in essence kicks Danny and her Kalasar to the curb. So finding no other help from the suddenly suspicious Carthene and warned by Zaro of possible vengeance being taken on the part of the warlocks whose house Drogon had just burned to the ground, burning down the house. uh, Danny takes Jorah and two of her blood riders down to the waterfront to look into buying ships to take her and her tiny khalasar away from Carth. So let it be noted that this time she's not out to impress or conform by riding in a palanquin is that how uh, pronounce that? Palanquin? I don't know. Brooch. Brooch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <coughs> I, I say Palanquin, by, <laughs> but I have no idea.
2: Let's say it like this. Uh, she's not out to impress or conform by riding a Palanquin or wearing the one boob. Oh, no. She's going full Dothraki screamer on these bums, riding her mare, wearing the latest in Dothraki fashion, and even sporting her very first hairbell representing her victory at the House of the Undying. Although the number of ships along Karth's waterfront are virtually innumerable, Danny has as much luck finding help there as she found in Karth proper. Not even her claims of being Queen of the Seven Kingdoms and the like could convince any of the suspicious captains to take on a bunch of savage Dothraki and three young dragons. And here, I'd just like to pause uh, in honor of what uh, a little segment Brooke did last week to bring up Gurm's wonderful propensity for coming up with names for ships this just has to excite him more than anything just like rubbing his little chubby hands together going
1: going to name more ships he outdid himself on this chapter
2: oh my gosh ardent friend which is kind of cool Lord Faro's belly <laughs> uh slew-eyed maid yes just kind of must be like ragged Jenna's sister or something Um, And and my personal favorite is Pinch Bottom Petto. Pinch Bottom Petto.
1: Oh, great. Read into it what you will. When when I read the Ardent Friend, I I thought of Matt. And what do you always say? Is it like um, Bump Buddy?
2: Oh, um, uh, Slam Piece.
1: (laughs) Slam Piece. Yes. It's basically naming your ship Slam Piece. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I think
2: uh yeah, Tyrion loves naming ships uh, about as lo- much as he loves describing food and Tyrion's penis. Oh wait, that's kind of a spoiler. I don't think we He loves describing food. Well, <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> wow. Right. Oh.
2: I don't know what happened there. Oh, let's carry on.
1: Here take my hand, I'll pull you out of the gutter.
2: (laughs) So while in the midst of this search for willing and seaworthy vessels, Jorah quietly notes to Danny that they are being followed. We're being watched. So under the guise that they're interested in buying it, Jorah holds up a polished reflective platter to observe the suspects who are hanging out behind him. And an odd pair of these suspects are a fat brown eunuch wearing a ridiculously small vest over his bare chest, which is covered in crisscrossing scars. The chest, that is, not the vest. And the other man is an old white bearded fella uh, cloaked and leaning on a walking stick. So, unable to avoid them any longer, Danny turns to confront them when suddenly a carthene man approaches and offers her a small ornate box as a gift, whispering, I am so sorry, as she begins to open it. Danny is scarcely able to see a poisonous creature inside before the box is knocked from her hands painfully, and chaos then erupts around her as Jora takes on Captain Chunky. Uh, the Blood Riders start cracking whips. And the old man with the staff, which turns out was used to knock the box from her hands, thus saving her life, uses said staff to crush the creature inside the box, a manticore that was going to kill her. So correctly deducing that the two followers meant her no harm, Danny stops her blood riders from further violence, and then these two men reveal who they are. The large eunuch is named Belwas, a, por- a former pit fighter whose scars came from a queer practice of letting each of his opponents cut him once before killing them. Uh, His aged companion names himself Arston Whitebeard, who claims he's from Westeros, and in fact, he recognizes Jorah and calls him by name, but he's now squiring for Bellwasp. Both declare they were sent by none other than Illyrio Mopatis. Now, if you'll remember clear back from Game of Thrones, he's the guy who Danny and Viserys were living with, and he's the one that kind of brokered the marriage between Danny and Khal Drogo. So they claim that Illyrio desires her back, uh, and in fact, he's purchased three ships to return her, or he sent three ships to return her to Pentos, so uh, they can do just that. Overjoyed, Danny makes but one request to finish out the chapter, and that is to re- rename the ships. And the names that she uh, chooses are Vagar, Moraxis, and Belerion, so that every man who sees them knows the dragons are returned. Now, just a quick note: uh, Vagar, Moraxis, and Belerion were the three dragons ridden by Aegon the Conqueror and his two sisters when they uh, came over and conquered. All of Westeros. So three very famous dragons.
0: Chapter ends there. Valerian the Black Dread. Yeah, the uh, I think the biggest dragon on record. I think right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Pretty cool. I like how uh, Danny is like. My first order of business is go paint these names on those ships. Yeah. <laughs> Gold letters, two foot high.
2: Right. She's got the instructions and everything.
0: Well, I think I think it's uh, it fits the theme of of this chapter, which is. Uh, as, as Matt eloquently allowed Billy Joel to to put it, moving out, moving on, she she is a Dothraki again. She's gonna go seize seize her fate, and what better way than to declare herself, kind of redeclare herself as a Targaryen with these these three very powerful names? Just um, kind of closes the chapter off, bookends it nicely with the "I'm Dothraki and I'm Targaryen." World ain't gonna fuck with me, right?
2: Mm-hmm. I got my ships.
0: Yep man what do you think
2: of these uh how about that whole scene of like pure chaos and then all of a sudden danny has two new friends i was pretty surprised these guys seem pretty chill just when everything seems pretty bleak for danny she's kind of pulled out of it and her world is does almost a complete 180
0: yeah everyone i've I've said this before i don't want to rant on it forever but every other character in this universe would be dead by now Given <laughs> the situations that she's been put through, and somehow miraculously survives, but yeah, somebody comes to her, comes to her rescue, and she lives on. She's got some pretty thick uh, plot armor. She does indeed. One on there,
1: just in time. Three ships pulled up, ready to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the two guys are awesome. Uh, I always liked dudes that fight with staves. Kind of, you know. All... You a Donatello fan? Sure more 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 for the other things that he did but yeah well he, he was yeah, like he, he was like the smart one he was like the science guy and stuff you
1: like his paintings?
0: um well donatello was more of a sculptor
1: um was he? I thought I, he was a painter.
0: I think so. Am I wrong about
1: that? He did have so...
0: the wussiest weapon though of all the turtles. I thought you got a stick. Sorry, man. Here's the th- here's the thing about the turtles. I'm not a fan. Here's why. Because I watched the cartoon and Leonardo and Raphael never get to hit anybody with their weapons. Right. Yes. Leonardo's got these two swords, and he never cuts anyone. So mm-hmm. Donatello and Michelangelo were the only ones that actually got to use their weapons in any sort of damaging way. Uh, anyway, wow, what a what a departure from from our mm-hmm. podcast. I apologize. So what
1: what you're saying is you want more blood, more turtle blood.
0: Yeah, more turtle blood, or blood from you know so from the re- actions of the turtles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I love Strong Be'os. Uh They jingle when they die. Loved it. <laughs> in reference to uh, Dothraki. Horse boys. Oh, man. Yeah. And uh, he says, you can uh, count how many people I've killed by the number of scars I have. Come on. Have you read anything in this series more badass than that? I'm going to kill you, but first I'll let you get one good stroke in. That. Then I'll kill you.
1: That is fucking Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty great. Also, the tiny vest. Yes. it's such a small yeah. little detail, but it totally makes the character. I had to point that out. Him pers- like, perfectly. I wasn't
2: yeah. interested
0: in describing anything else he wears, except for the tiny mini vest. Tiny yeah. tiny and also, vest. I think also because of such a, the specific vision, must be why the show decided just to not deal with the character, because they could <laughs> they could never fulfill the mental image that I have for this. I really don't think they could. He'd just come off almost as comical. Yes, right. What else you got, Matt?
2: Interesting that Illyrio's, uh, and we might get into this more in Davos After Dark, but Illyrio's cool with marrying Danny off to Khal Drogo until he finds out she's got three dragons, potentially. Hmm. Let's get her on back.
0: Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if Illyrio was like, you know those dragon eggs? Those were alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh who gave those to you yeah i there did, did. And technically kind of kind of like uh kind of like zaro asking for all his gifts back all right how about that guy like <laughs> the most passive a- aggressive yes. guy in this whole book oh i hate him oh, oh i hate
2: him you You're- start sending her notes every once in a while <laughs> we're not gonna give
0: you any more food yeah yeah Give me back all my stuff. And that that reminded me of uh, Wedding Crashers, Vince Vaughn. The painting was a gift, Todd. I'm taking it with me.
2: <laughs> I want my painting back. The painting was a gift, Todd. I'm taking it with me. I didn't even think of that part, but very good. <laughs> Love that part. Oh, well, you know, other than that, I don't have a whole lot more to discuss about this chapter. It leaves us hanging and excited for... Uh,
0: Finally, you know what seems to be some good news for Danny, so, mm-hmm. I guess just one quick thing uh, we We mentioned during the House of the Undying episode that we didn't know what Danny was really gonna get out of that, <laughs> like seeing all that crap and mm. and very much true <clears throat> in this chapter. yeah, she's trying she to puzzle <laughs> through it. It's totally riddles in the dark, and she <laughs> she's just like, what I don't know what any of this stuff means. I know I mm-hmm. saw. Rhaegar, that's about all I really can make of any of this stuff. Poor girl. The
2: the series could potentially be over if Joro just would have known what the song of ice and fire was, but he didn't. So, <laughs> here we are waiting for book 6. <laughs> was that a spoiler? Uh, I don't know. Well, everyone knows we're on book 6.
0: All right, uh Arya. Arya on the foot. Horse
2: face. Sticking with the pointy end. Arya on the foot. Face. Sticking with
1: the ah. So, Arya is still obediently serving Ruse Bolton at Heron Hall. Hall, where things are pretty bad under the Lannisters, but nothing compares to the bloody mummers that run wild, fray malcontents, and dispassionate Bolton cruelty. Ruse took the non Theon approach to occupying a castle with too few men, and that's just beheadings for everyone. An absolutely despicable cruelty to women who have never had much of a choice in who they serve. But it does get the job done. Uh, we get an interesting look into the daily life of Nan, Arya's current alter ego, and the chore she is assigned as Ruse's cupbearer. Arya continues to whisper around as the ghost of Hall, but now more guards jape her about weasel soup. But it's during one of these moments, where she's ignored and beneath everyone's notice, attending to Ruse's leeching, that she learns about Bran and Rickon's death. She's shocked and staggered by the news, but remarkably keeps it together. George um, actually did a really good job of using this discovery as a direction change in her internal monologuing the news of her brother's death kind of like steals her and after learning from Ruse himself that he'll be giving Hall to Vargo Hote when he leaves and Arya too, Arya makes a plan to GTFO. That's get the fuck out for all you non-kids out there.
2: That, I totally put that in my notes.
1: No. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just, Arya gtfo and Yeah, she is. You yeah, silly. so having learned from spying a map in ruse's rooms that river run is fairly close that night she sneaks out of bed and to the forge where she pinches gendry awake and convinces him to steal swords and bully hot pie into escaping with her as well she does her part by tricking three good horses out of the stables and killing a guard at a loosely protected gate out of harren hall yeah, another, another shorter chapter. That's, that's kind of it. Life sucks. Uh, Gendry and Hot Pie passively aggressively blame Arya for their lives sucking. The Freys are convinced Rob is going to lose against the Lannisters after the Lannisters help take back King's Landing. Ruse is killing wolf pups for sport. And, and yet more of Arya's pack, her family are dead and... Just like that, she's gone out the gates and no longer Nan, but Arya or Ari once again. Mm-hmm. And they have an entire wheel of cheese that Hot Pie stole, <laughs> so I think the kids are going to be okay.
2: Good forethought, Hot Pie.
1: Mm-hmm. Take
2: some food
0: this time so you're not eating bugs. But Damn I, right. I got to quibble with Arya's notion of Riverrun not being so far. I took the liberty of opening that awesome spreadsheet thingy that uh, that uh, I, think, I think Brandon Beefish sent us one time. But it actually has like the distances between all of the the cities and how long it takes to walk between the, uh, well how long it takes to travel basically depending on what type of group you are, and giving them the benefit of the doubt and saying they'd be moving extremely quickly, getting from Hall to Riverrun is about ten days, so mm-hmm. it's it's a lot further than she thinks.
1: Oh, I think it's probably it's the bad. kid
0: and the kid and her looking at a map and
2: going. There's like an inch between these two places. It's oh, not yeah.
0: that far. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying Gosh. to note to the reader that it's reasonably far. That it is, yeah. Sakinsu's Su's is good point. It's Yeah. That's that's moving about as fast as you can move according to, to this spreadsheet that, that we have that I think we can link. The only the only way you can move faster according to their measurements is if you're switching horses every ten to twelve miles. This is like they're running mm-hmm. the whole time, and that's ten days. Basically. Yeah. So anyway.
1: Well, comparatively, she was on like a months long journey to the wall. Yeah, 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 true. But yeah, no, it's interesting. Mm. On a map, everything looks close. Yeah,
0: like Vegas. <laughs> we've been through that. Already. Very much like Vegas. Yes. Right.
1: To you guys, I thought it was close.
0: No, I mean when you're on Vegas. No, I on think you mean like walking yeah. the strip. Yeah.
2: Oh. I'll just go to that casino just next door. Yeah, we've covered this. Three before. miles later. <laughs> yeah but soaked through t-shirt and
0: is 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 this the first real view we get of Roos?
2: uh we get glimpses of him in, i believe uh Catelyn catlin or chapters. brand's chapters yeah so, yeah when he when he came to winterfell but what kind of weirdy holds counsel while he's getting leached naked a very
1: confident one
2: yeah, he's just laying yeah, there on scary. his bed, bugs crawling all over. Him. He's just like, so here we are.
1: <laughs> Mind you, if I was like a hotshot CEO or business owner, I'd do the same thing. Be like <laughs> getting my Thai massage.
0: Just gather around my bed. Yeah, <laughs> he he's he is very. I, I'm glad you brought it up, Matt, because it translates a little bit to some of the other things he's doing. He's kind of a. He seems like a very confident. Uh, take matters into his own hands, kind of guy. Uh, he does some mm-hmm. interesting things. One thing is he he give he says uh, he sends them to burn Derry, which is a, right. a a town, and and tells them it's by order of the king. But did Rob? I, I guess we don't know. I mean, he has been burning the Westerlands himself, um, but Derry's in the Riverlands. Um, I, I don't remember Rob giving that order. It's kind of a, a presumptuous thing to do. Um, yeah, one of
2: those. He's put me in charge, so yep. my order is the king's order. Yeah, thing.
0: yeah, so. I suppose so. But it's kind of a kind of a dick thing to do. Uh, he also weird behavior. He seem, it seems like he burns everything he reads, including a full leather bound book. Books? Yeah. yeah. No one oh, else can have too. this knowledge. It's for me only burn is it doing throwing books into the fire i don't know
1: Ugh. yeah that's bizarre it's almost it's like, like a power play or something their their inbox at zero messages yes <laughs> right good
0: modern translation i don't know, just a, a very you know sending sending the guys off for to duskendale just a he's he's very much a take charge this is my world kind of guy i think yeah, and they'd make
2: it, and, they, and it talks about him being so quiet and yes. calm as he does these yep, things. And that yep. makes him even more scary or uh, know, a little bit more intimidating.
1: I was surprised to learn that he wouldn't take Arya with him when they left Harrenhal. Because she seems like a great little servant. She knows yeah, what she answers knows to give him. Yeah, Takes care of his business.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. it is a little surprising. Yeah. I wonder
1: if that's indicative of something else.
0: Yeah.
2: I like I'm, how she, she points out that... Uh, what does she say that's always the best thing to say? Um, right away, my right lord, away, or something Right
0: like away, that. yeah. Something like that.
1: At once, my lord.
2: At once, my lord. Thanks, Brooke. And she okay. thinks that's always the best thing to say. But Arya and Sansa really aren't that different in terms of like learning to adapt and survive. I think we've made that point before. But uh, Sansa also knows the right things to say, and Arya's adopting that as well. They, they do what they have to, to to just stay alive and keep moving.
0: How about uh, <laughs> the the uh, method for finding Lannister stooges? So, if if you remember the uh, <laughs> the brave companions, the sellswords that are now with Roose in in Harrenhal, they used to work for the Lannisters, and so they did all the dirty work of you know when Arya was in the villages and they were doing the torturing and all that kind of stuff. They were involved in that kind of thing, right? So now they're on the wolf side, uh, the Stark side. And they're commanded to go get, gather up Lannister traitors, right mm-hmm. so they basically just go to everyone who helped them before when they were working with the Lannisters and said, "You work with the Lannisters you're a bad guy come with me and they, they take their take their gold in their heads pretty awesome Cre- create oh, crea- creative companions yeah, yeah. sell swords. Get on them what are you gonna do? can't live with them can't well I guess you could kill them
2: what did you think of Arya's kind of I mean she's been developing through the whole story but at this point you know just kind of doing what she has to do to escape even at the expense of others Yeah, and uh, that shows a bit of character growth I don't know if it's for better or for worse I mean a part of me thinks it's really bad of Arya for just slitting that dude's throat But the other part makes me feel kind of sad. Also, when uh, she gets the horses at first uh, from that kid, the stable boy, and she thinks as she's leaving, she says she hoped they would not hurt him afterward, but she knew they probably would. Yeah, Um, It's like she knows what she needs to do. Mm. And at this point, she's willing to put other safety on the line to make it happen for her. Uh, It's not unlike Tywin, actually, and other commanders that we've read about. Um, she, you could even say she does the same thing by getting Hot Pie and Gendry to come with her and even killing that sentry she does what she has to do even at the you know, possible expense of others there's some who would pause and try to find as that hymn that Sansa quotes says, a kinder way uh, there'd be people like "Oh, how can I get through this without hurting anybody or anything and Arya's kind of just like this is what I gotta do I gotta get out of here no turning back, here goes
0: She does. I think that bit at the Weirwood tree kind of set her going, right? The wolf's blood, yeah. And just kind of reset her will to be like, you know what? No, you gotta be you gotta be a wolf. Yeah. I'm 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 done. i wooden suffer. Yeah. I'm done with
1: wooden teeth, right? Yeah. Popeye's like who like an owl as a signal, and she's like, (laughs) no. Yeah. Wolf. (laughs) Wolf (laughs) blood. (laughs) Thus,
0: thus, thus the, thus the episode title.
1: Mm. Yeah, I know. And also, like, I think it's that her, her, her renewed resolve. Also, the fact that she's seen so much horror and suffering that she knows she doesn't have a choice. Yeah. Um, And also, she's been given so many examples of... Doing what you have to do gets you results mm-hmm. that why would you not learn from that example like uh down down in the dungeons when they were freeing the northerners and uh mm-hmm. shocking and the soup and yeah people yeah, and
2: on and on the opposite side, not doing it or trying to take a higher road or something doesn't get you anywhere yeah in this yeah. world
0: i mean look it, it's it's hypocritical of me not to call her out for it. I mean, she's making choices that hurt people, right? And I'm generally against that. But, she, and, and I did just say, you always have other choices as well. And so I think she has other choices, but they're not good ones. I, I mean, hearing, right. hearing what she's heard from Roose about being left behind with these... I mean, they're essentially monsters, is what mm-hmm. they've been painted as, these brave companions. I mean, they're awful people. Um, she doesn't have a whole lot of good choices. And yeah, she's gotta do something. And she's willing to put other people in the way. It's it's rough. I don't think she's I, I still don't think Arya's in a great place. I'm glad she's I'm well, glad she's remembering her heritage, but her her brain has started to think certain things are okay that a person shouldn't think are okay. I mean she shrugs it off. Gendry's like, There's gonna be a guard at the gate. She's like, eh. I'll take care of him. And then she thinks as she's uh, I, I think the perfect example of
2: that is that final quote of the chapter. Or she's, they point out she's got blood all over her hands and she's like, oh, the rain will just wash it off.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. These are temporary problems. Yeah.
2: That description of the throat cutting was really eerie. It's like, she, it's just as you like slid Sick. it and it's uh, like slid like satin or satin something Satin or like silk, that. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Anyways. Alright. Uh, anything else on the aria chapter? Nope.
1: Um, I did have a note about little Elmer Frey and his oh. his princess, but I think that's more D.A.D. Yeah.
0: Well, it's not a spoiler. Um, It's nothing we don't know, if you're paying attention. Mm. Alright, we can do it in Davos After Dark. So, uh, thanks everybody for listening in. Uh, We're about to join the uh, spoilery section, Davos After Dark. But uh, make sure you tune in in a couple weeks for the final normal chapter for A Clash of Kings. We'll be covering chapters uh, 65 to 69. That'll be Sansa, Theon, Tyrion, Jon, and Bran. uh, The last five chapters of The Clash of Kings. And we'll look forward to it. But uh, for now, we're going to get all spoilery on you. So jump off if you're not interested. 69. Wow. What's wrong with you?
1: What is wrong with
0: you? Wow. It's The
1: the Office. The Office. (laughs) Kevin Malone. (laughs)
2: Now he says he always turns the thermostat to sixty nine, and then he starts giggling.
1: I always said it at sixty nine.
0: Goodness gracious! Sorry. All right. I, uh, I, I,
2: apologies. I'm sorry.
0: I don't know why I'm judging you for a sixty nine joke. It's all like you know. Uh. Okay. All right. Cue music. Davos after dark. Davos after dark. Well, let's let's just go right into the Elmar stuff. Mm -hmm. The love story that never was. The love story (laughs) that never was. Arya actually wishes... (laughs) Arya actually says she doesn't care about herself and that she wishes death upon herself in this chapter. Uh
1: Uh-huh. Oh, I get it. (laughs) Because... Uh, she was the princess. We're
0: slow playing it, yeah. but Elmar's princess is Arya. Arya, <laughs> when Kat went through the twins, was promised to wed uh, a son of uh, of uh, Walder Frey. And we now know that son is Elmar, who was promised a princess. And that princess would have been Arya as they're of an age together. And uh, it's just a little, it's a great little joke Gurm has thrown in. Um, and that's the joy of
2: read uh, rereads because yes. I bet ninety percent of people, maybe ninety five percent of people who read it, didn't pick that up the first time.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I still don't get what's spoilery about that.
1: Well, well, because the raven that came in that she saw coming in that delivered news from the twins about a betrayal in the north was news that Rob had had wed Jane... Um, What's-her-face?
2: Yeah, uh, Westerling. But and we it sp- doesn't actually...
0: But w- They well, don't
2: ever say, like, the... the. I see what you're saying, Scott, but also they didn't give specific details, so that's why we didn't spoil it. Well, we couldn't like have the given... the wedding is off because...
0: Yeah, we couldn't have given specific details either, but we're told the wedding is off, and we know that she's his princess. Those are two things that we know. Mm, no, because they never had said that Elmar was the princess before. Elmar. Is. Or that Elmar was the princess. <laughs> well, you that can... That hey, was yes. Elmar's princess. You can deduce it.
2: Yeah, but like I what, said... What, that, what, what other princess is afraid going to marry? Maybe I'm just not giving readers enough credit, and I, they th- I think they're as stupid as I was, but I certainly didn't pick up on that. Hmm. Not that it's super important, actually, but...
0: Okay, uh for some reason I don't have the final version of the notes that I sent you guys. Hold on a second. I'm unprepared again.
1: But, um, um I got so excited about Barristan. Did you guys know it was Barriston the Bold when you first read? Again. I did not.
2: Yeah, totally out of left field. I'd it's forgotten like, about the guy. guy.
1: Tiny uh, vest. Yeah. So distracting.
2: <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't know it either hindsight you know you think a guy goes storming out of king's landing who was a prominent figure like this you know he's got to come back at some point but that's hindsight in reality
0: i totally forgot about him
2: Mm.
0: yeah and did did so i didn't put this together i don't think until this reread but did varus help barristan out of king's landing then
2: so that's what uh is fascinating is how this all worked out of Barristan getting to Illyrio and stuff and I think it it might have been so. I think Varys might have at least pointed uh Barristan in the right direction. Yeah. Say you're you cuz Barristan says he wants to go find the one true king, his one true king and and serve him until his dying day or her uh in in the case of Danny. And so Varys is like, "Hey, I know how to get to her. Yeah. Go see my buddy right. over in Pentos.
0: Yeah, he says that as he's storming out, right? And so the Varus pricks up his ears and says, oh, ally. Right? Mm hmm. Yeah. He could be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> how about just the, not really super spoilery, but just the fun of thinking of Varys and the Bold, one of the greatest warriors and, you know, this old guy that served for so long in the service of a guy like strong Belwas mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just kind of humorous when you know Belwas should probably be
2: serving him yeah I, yeah I wonder if if um, well if the Veris thing holds up then Illyrio probably knew it was Barristan but I wonder if Barristan went to Illyrio as Barristan or as Arston. do you know what I mean like, was he kind of in disguise, not wanting to reveal who he truly was?
0: It's a, it's a good uh, question. I don't know what benefit he has in hiding who he is.
2: Sure. And there is a discussion, um, one of those long chapters in uh, Dance with Dragons, of Illyrio and uh, Tyrion just chatting it up, um, where he he calls him by name, or Illyrio recognizes that Barristan's with Dany, Um But he could have found that out after. I don't know.
0: I that think it was Barrison
2: and not i I'm leaning towards that as well.
0: There's probably something in some chapter where Barrison tells Danny why he didn't just come forward with who he was, but I, I just don't remember it.
2: Mm-hmm. Aren't there a lot of theories that point to, and Illyrio actually says this in the books, that he's kind of supporting Aegon, right? So the question, I think it's a, a pretty valid question that I think there's probably answers to.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, Illyrio's supporting Aegon. I think it's almost like with the dragons, they change the game a little bit, and they're like, he's like, oh, maybe I need Danny too. And
2: now that she has the dragons? <laughs> yeah. I, I think maybe that was his point all along, was to have them uh, eventually get back together. Um Uniting the Targaryen and Blackfire lines, I think that you know that's could be a good reason why he brokered the marriage with Khal Drogo is so he could get you know the Dothraki on Danny's side, the Golden Company on Aegon's side, and have all these great soldiers to invade Westeros with. Uh, But then the dragons come into the picture, and then Illyrio's like, "Yeah, we really need her back."
0: (laughs) Yeah, Uh... yeah.
1: He definitely wasn't expecting them to actually hatch.
2: Yeah. I think I think not.
1: You would never let her out of his, out of his sight.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, um, I read but... a I read a great Reddit a couple weeks ago about Blackfires and Targaryens and the Aegon Danny who's going to be supported is is Aegon real. I think it was a Reddit. Um we'll we'll link it, but uh some really good stuff in there. A lot of a lot of interesting stuff about Illyrio and who is he? Like some people think he's he is a blackfire. Um, some people think he's actually like a another type of Valyrian. I think. Um, right. There, there's a whole other bastard line. Um, uh, bright, bright flames. The bright flames. Arian bright, bright Flame, who apparently went yep. across to Essos and had bastards. Some people yep. think actually, that, and Brendan maybe one of them. Brendan, sorry if I'm stealing your your thunder. Um, that. That he's actually a like a double bastard Targaryen. He's a bright flame and and uh, um, black. Uh, Jesus, my words are failing. Bright flame <sighs> and black fire and black fire. Yes, and so there, there's a lot of interesting stuff out there about who Illyrio mm-hmm. is and kind of kind of cool stuff. Yeah.
2: In that case, if he's supporting them both it might make sense to send Barristan to Danny rather than Aegon because Aegon's already got uh Griff, John Connington who yeah. can kind of act as that uh, Westerosi mentor to kind yeah. of prepare. I, I mean, Aegon's got a ton of people who are there to teach him, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Duckworth and um, uh, the Septa, Lamore and everyone uh, had the half baster, but um uh, Connington's kind of there to teach him how to be a Westerosi, it kind of seems like. So, Barristan but Danny doesn't have that, right? We've talked about before how Danny's yeah. kind of learning everything on her own. Yeah. And so, it would be valuable to get someone like Barristan in her hands who was uh, familiar with a- a- Aegon or um, Ares and Rhaegar and knows how all that worked and how that went down and her family and everything so
0: yeah joran knows about westeros but he doesn't know much about king's landing he's not there a exactly he's got hearsay and stuff but he doesn't know a lot of the inner workings so it makes sense Uh, you know it it occurs to me that it's possible illyrio didn't even mention aegon to to uh to barristan i wonder if he did yeah didn't even bring it up just Mm -hmm. you're gonna go to danny that's who you want to be with anyway the next Targaryen right so uh, I don't know it's very yeah lots lots of uh, lots of cool paths that could have taken Mm -hmm. Uh, all right Um, Podrick Payne Hmm, the most loyal character in all of A Song of Ice and Fire I'm racking
2: my brains trying to think of someone (laughs) more loyal more loyal
0: Maybe Brienne. Pocket. Brienne's Brienne's pretty loyal.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably her. Yeah. Fun that they end up the together, reeds. and she's so annoyed by him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: he's a mini. He's a mini you. Oh, yeah.
0: the reeds are super loyal. That's a good point, Brooke. That's true. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Podrick oh. is so cute. He's such a he's such a good normal. He he's he's what any of us would be in Westeros. Awkward, trying our best. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I would be just like Braunbrook. <laughs> I am that cunning and merciless.
1: <laughs> no,
2: I would be probably worse than Podrick.
1: Yeah. So is I'd he I'd be like,
2: since I'm your squire, I probably shouldn't ride out to battle with you. I should be like inside <laughs> to help you when you get back. I'd hate for you I'll... not to have anyone to help you when you get back. I'll have some
0: wine <laughs> prepared. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so is he, is he, is there any plot armor for this guy or is he a Gendry? Is he like a, a guy that's just like a character that you latch onto and he's in it for a little while and then he'll kind of just fade away or does he have some sort of bigger, bigger ceiling?
2: We've talked about this before. I mean, there's so many theories out there and what it comes down to is how many characters really yes. can realistically have big ceilings. Yeah. Yep. There are theories for everyone becoming like the huge hero in the end, and the truth of it is no. Some people are going to have to fall, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think Pod he might even be around at the end, but I don't expect big things from him. Oh, how disappointing! But I
1: expect uh, at least a reuniting with Tyrion. Sure.
2: Oh, maybe he work. Maybe he works in Tyrion's library. Yeah,
0: he's his little library clerk. Yeah. So great. He, he helps. He helps Tyrion reach the high shelves. <laughs> I <was just> gonna <laughs> say.
1: <He> shelves books. <laughs> that's a, that's a cutting short joke. Oh,
0: sorry, I, was that was that not PC enough?
1: I thought it was fine. Well,
0: a- you're not. You're not particularly tall. So scad. I am How five five that? seven. If you're generous.
1: No, you're not that short. Mm-hmm.
0: Thanks, I believe. Thanks, it. Brooke. Huh. I thought you were shorter.
1: I'm trying to remember standing beside <laughs> you.
0: Been so long.
1: Guess who's taller than you are? Not you. Yes, me. No, no. I'm a solid 5'7 seven. That's BS. No. In what kind
0: of shoes? I can't believe we're talking what? about this.
1: You know how tall I am. Oh my god. <laughs> I
0: are <I>, whatever. <laughs> You got a month, Bentham. I'll be in Calgary.
1: Okay. Scott, at Scott,
0: you just did the thing
2: I was talking to you about. I was saying that one of my favorite things Scott does is when he gets really excited about something and he's like, da 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 then he kind of stops and he's like,
0: oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or,
2: an, I don't know. It
0: was it? Indignation, you called it?
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're being indignant.
0: And then. You just kind of like give up. Steam. <laughs> yeah, the world has too many problems, Matt. I can't possibly solve any single one of them.
1: <laughs> one of my In- including
0: Brooke thinking she's taller than me.
1: <laughs> I don't think I know. Holy cow! <laughs> uh, I'm taller than all y'all.
2: All right. I'm I'm, I'm like five ten. There's nothing to write home about.
1: Damn.
0: I got it on you guys. So.
1: Dang.
0: Suck it. Uh well, Ruse Bolton has it over everyone, and I want to talk about him because uh I this is this is new stuff to me on this reread. It is wolves I mean to hunt. Mm-hmm. This gives away his whole game for the rest of the four books that remain. Yeah,
1: yeah. In one That's sentence, some foreshadowing. It's crazy foreshadowing. good. So trolly.
2: It, yeah. yeah. I tried to look for a metaphor in the
0: amount of wolves they brought back, and I, I tried to also pups I
2: thought of Brandon Brandon Rick
0: and me too, but I couldn't come but, up with it. Uh, yeah, me neither fail, but I did think the rest of that paragraph after he says it's wolves, I mean to hunt that that the rest of that paragraph is a, is a metaphor too, I think he's talking about how um the wolves aren't usually this uh this daring um yeah in in the, their, south. in the south, and yeah, there's kind of there's some other stuff in there. I love that paragraph, though. It's awesome. But it just leads me, uh, you know, if, if he really does have this intention to hunt wolves, um, I don't know if you guys agree. I think he's already got his deal worked out with Tywin right now. I do, too. And and that's actually why Abs- he's so all con- unconcerned with all the fray nonsense that they're, but, yep. but Tywin's going to come, and we could never beat him here, and we won't have enough it's food, like, and he's just like, whatever, whatever, dude. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah.
2: I know what's going on. I don't think he would uh, send those guys off to Duskendale. We know that that was basically um, a mission to get people killed. Uh, Some people think so, yeah. You know, I think so. I I don't think there is any other reason to send them to Duskendale at this point. It's a city that's right by King's Landing. Um, there's no strategic advantage to taking it, I think, at this point. Um, and he even says that Pretty much the only reason he wants Duskendale taken is so that uh, the Tallhearts and, oh, Glovers, Glovers could have yeah. revenge. Yeah. I think Roos is, you know, in the end, Roos is out for himself. Yep. He wants to improve his standing. Um, I was reading up about the Battle of Duskendale, and interesting, the houses that were committed to that battle, the people that were in the army in that battle, were the Carwins uh, or Serwins however you pronounce it, mm-hmm. the Glovers. The Hornwoods, the Carstarks, and the Tallhearts. No one from the Dreadfort. Yeah. And they are all people that surround except for the Carhold, Winterfell.
0: Yeah. Which leads yeah. me to believe he's he's
2: trying to weaken any sort of stark sympathizers in the north. He's trying to bring down their armies so that when he gets back to Winterfell, he has less uh, to deal with, I think.
0: Yeah, Brennan actually sent us a map forever ago when, when the Battle of the Green Fork happened. He sent us a, a map mm. that outlawed, that showed that, just like where all these houses are from. They're right by the Dreadfort, and I think I want to attribute it right. It, it might have been Stefan's map or, or maybe um, A Race for the Iron Throne. I, I can't recall whose map that was, but, it, but it, it clearly paints exactly where all those houses are. And It's like, hey, yeah, I mean, pretty convenient. You can look convenient. at any map and see it. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's,
2: it, they're all right there surrounding uh, the Dreadfort and Winterfell. Yeah. So, he's definitely, I think, trying to weaken the other surrounding houses so
0: that when he comes back, he doesn't have as rough a time. But but here's what I wanted to get to. So the timing is interesting. So we 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 agree then, Matt, that he's already he's already got his deal with Tywin. But we I think so. We just now got word, or he just now got word, of the betrayal of Rob to the phrase. So I don't think the Freys are in on it yet.
2: Uh, Maybe uh, Walder. I think he only, um, when we look back, I think Tywin only communicates with Walder
1: Hmm.
2: by letter. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's very possible these other Frey guys aren't brought in. And in fact, Tywin tries to keep it very limited. I went and read his chapter where he talks to Tyrion about... um, all the forces you know yeah, yeah, the yeah. letters that he wrote to everybody and how he kind of forged this whole thing and he, he you know that he doesn't even tell Tyrion about it and tywin's very much trying to limit the number of people who know and um yeah so i think it could have been known to walder at this point but not to the phrase who are with ruse
0: may have been that implies that walder actually agreed to betray the starks before rob betrayed him
2: possibly that's Interesting. Yeah, the never, timeline is, never thought the timeline is the timeline's tricky. Yeah, I'll have to look at
0: tricky. I'll have to look at the timeline that uh, floating around and see if there's any evidence of that. See yeah. see what they say about which, that. But they're happening I so think, close together. Probably don't know. But
2: I think there's motive for that to happen, uh, considering what Tywin was offering Raw um, uh, Walder, which was River Run and um, uh, three Lannister people to marry into his house two of them men and a girl. Yeah. So that's a pretty tempting offer whether Robs betrayed Walder already or
0: not. Yep. So. It's true. Uh okay, one more. Uh one more we can probably make it quick. Uh Sansa's fate if the city had fallen.
1: Oh, she would have been used as a pawn against Rob. That's what I think too. If Illyn Payne hadn't gotten to her first.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but Cersei, paints, Cersei painted a very dire picture for her outside of beheading. Even like if if Stannis were to come, um, and I don't see it that way. I, I don't. I mean, I don't think Stannis would have certainly wouldn't have beheaded her. I think he would have used her as a as a hostage and treated her fairly and kindly enough. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it would have been that bad if King's Landing had fallen. In fact, when Dantos is celebrating, I think she would should have been, <laughs> you know, commiserating, right?
1: Yeah, if you had to pick between Joffrey and Stannis as your king, who would you go for? <laughs> no, no, just think about their haircuts. <laughs> think about their leadership style and who they'd bring with them into well, a role. In Sansa's case,
0: do you have to marry whichever one you choose? Because <laughs> I'm not sure I'd Good love to point. be married to Stannis either. <laughs> Sit and listen to him grind his teeth all night. I don't and he only—he only—he only, com- only comes to your bed once a year. Maybe that's you think you
1: alone. Yeah, <laughs> kind of yeah. nice, actually. Yeah, maybe that's
0: maybe a if he had a Joffrey, hotter wife, you'd be.
1: It would definitely get weird attentive. with Joffrey. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: all right, so we agree on that then. Uh, okay, <laughs> I think uh, I think we covered everything uh, in Davos After Dark that I wanted to hit. You guys got anything?
2: No, I'm good.
1: I'm good.
0: All right. Um ch- 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 all right. let's go ahead with uh with sign off then.
1: Thanks everybody for listening. This is Brooke signing off saying, Hey, wear a mask in battle.
0: That's <laughs> especially it. So, that's, thanks, Brooke. Yeah. Thanks.
1: Appreciate
0: it. I don't <laughs> like this in. I don't like this thing where I'm becoming the butt of all the jokes on this podcast.
1: <laughs> well you and Tyrion.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs>
2: Um, this is possibly the only time I bring up a country song on this podcast ever don't do it I'm gonna do it man Uh, but this is Matt thanking you and signing off reminding Sandor that life is not tried it's just merely survived if you're standing outside the fire
1: Garth Brooks that music video just makes me bawl (laughs) I I can't say I've
0: ever seen the music video
1: Oh man, oh man It's so good Makes me cry for different
0: reasons We'll be watching it in two minutes New goal, make my sign off quote last more than two minutes Uh, Okay, Scott's sign off is just Long live strong Boas You guys are all in for a treat Good night Night. Nighty night, peace and blessings We call them fools Who have to dance within the flames who chances sorrow and the shade that always comes with gender. But yeah, I
2: usually it's I usually awesome. have one. You've got a pretty good face salad going on.
0: I don't even know what that means. But thank you, sir. You use the term It's a good. hockey term. Uh, okay facial.
2: I got sick all of a sudden. Last oh, night. Yes. Oh no. yeah. I feel like crap. I'm
1: sorry man. I know.
0: Right? Do we need to reschedule?
1: Like, no. Because you yeah. sound okay so is it yeah. just butt sick? <laughs> when it comes to you what? being ill there's a, <laughs> there's actually only one symptom.
2: <laughs> Let's face it Brooke. Ever since February of 2004 I have been butt sick.
1: I'm <laughs> <my> butt sick.
2: <laughs> I might have to pause and blow the old nostrils every once in a bit. Better than blowing something else. Well, I've done that already. I did that before. Alright. Or are we talking about the same thing?
0: (laughs) I don't Uh, think you are. And
1: also (laughs) I hope when you blow it's a farmer blow. But you're just like you don't even say anything. You just mute your microphone, turn your head.
2: (laughs) Just on the carpet.
1: Yeah. Hit one of your kids. (laughs) When they when they meekly request They're, yeah, not, they're, not,
0: <laughs> they're not Wex Pike sleeping on the ground when he casts. No, but my, my throat's a little
2: sore too, Skad, perhaps from sticking foreign objects down my
0: throat. You gotta pay I mean, the bills somehow. Yeah, it does it for me.
1: <laughs> you guys are sluts. Although, Dirty sluts.
0: I've never stuck a non-foreign object down my throat. I don't know what that's like. Like a t- would that be like a tooth? I don't know. I don't know what that would yeah, be that's one thing. Yeah. <laughs> swallow t- Swallow your own tongue. It's not foreign to your throat. A toe.
1: <laughs> I was thinking non foreign is just an American.
0: Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> look, look. We like to keep it clean. All right. We don't know where everybody else right. in the world has been. We know how filthy our right. country is.